you're seeking biblical wisdom and understanding in these difficult and trying times, and you recognize the power of God's Word to delve deep into the issues of the heart, then welcome to Biblical Counseling Today with Dr. John Kwasney, husband, father, counselor, author, and teacher. Join us for Christ-centered, gospel-driven truth concerning our individual, marital, and parenting struggles. This is Biblical Counseling Today. We don't have many stories in the Bible that focus primarily on the relationship between in-laws. Probably the most familiar one begins in Genesis 28, where we read of Jacob fleeing from his angry twin brother and family home to live with and work for his uncle Laban. Several years later, Laban becomes Jacob's father-in-law two times over as Jacob marries his daughters, Leah and Rachel. Of course, marrying Leah wasn't his idea, but was forced upon him by his father-in-law's deception. Fast forward past the Leah and Rachel rivalry and God's merciful gifts of many children, and Jacob has finally had enough of his oppressive, conniving father-in-law. Jacob loads up his wives and children, attempts to deceive Laban and sneak away, only to be caught and reprimanded. Thankfully, the father-in-law and son-in-law make a covenant of peace with one another, and Laban was even able to say farewell to his grandchildren. Now, this shocking in-law story wouldn't be complete without Jacob telling his wives, this is my paraphrase, by the way, my brother, your brother-in-law, may try to kill us when we return to my home. Just an FYI for you. So do you have an in-law story that can top that one? Hopefully, you're not like Laban, deceiving and manipulating your son-in-law. And I'm guessing your adult child probably didn't marry two of his cousins, and your other child may not want to murder his brother's entire family. But your adult child or spouse may actually work for you in some way, or have even desired to flee from you in the middle of the night. Whatever your situation, your adult child's marriage means that you now have an in-law in your family, possibly to add to the other sons-in-law or daughters-in-law you already have. When this happens, you are not only navigating a new relationship with your own adult child, but forming one with your child's spouse. Hopefully you understand that when your adult child marries, his or her spouse marries the family as well. So the purpose of this episode of Season 8 is to help you or someone you know properly relate to this new addition to your family, creating a healthy in-law relationship. So let's dig down deep into the subject of in-laws and outlaws. When Carol and Dave became engaged to be married, Dave's mom was beside herself with joy. She told Carol, God blessed me with four wonderful boys, but I always longed to have a daughter of my own. Now he has given me my first one. We're going to have so much fun. Welcome to the family. Initially, Dave's mom believed that Carol really enjoyed the phone calls, the shopping outings, and all the extra attention she lavished upon her. But after a few years, it appeared that the relationship had become more distant, which surprised Dave's mom. 
She wasn't necessarily trying to replace Carol's mom or even become her new best friend. But David's mom also wasn't very good at taking no for an answer or picking up on her daughter-in-law's hints. Lately, Carol has stopped coming to Sunday lunch with Dave, prompting his mom and dad to wonder what's really going on. She's not really buying Dave's explanations of weekly migraines. So how should Dave's mom handle her daughter-in-law and future in-laws who arrive on the scene? Well, let's walk through some essential principles that can be employed in order to help Dave's mom and you welcome in-laws into the family. First, you need to help them adjust to your culture. There's a possibility that your new son-in-law's or daughter-in-law's family background is nearly identical to yours. He or she may have grown up in your town and was a childhood sweetheart of your daughter or son. But it's much more likely that your family cultures are different, possibly even radically different. One family is very close. One family is more distant. One family is very affectionate, hugging and kissing one another. One family is more comfortable with handshakes and side hugs. One family talks a lot and could debate any subject at all, even inappropriate ones, while one family keeps things on more of a surface, intellectual level. While your married child is establishing his or her own family culture, the family background of the new in-law not only influences their new family, but it will impact the family of origin as well. Thankfully, not all differences are conflicting ones that will be challenging for you, but some may feel impossible to understand or even enjoy. It will also be tempting to believe your own family practices are far superior to your new in-laws, which will make it hard for you to connect to and get to know him or her. So your first task is to help your new son-in-law or daughter-in-law adjust to your family culture. Don't just assume it's easy to enter into your family or put it totally on his or her shoulders. Depending on the size of your family at present, the new in-law will be in the minority from the outset. Seek to get to know how your daughter-in-law or son-in-law thinks, what he or she believes, and what gifts and skills he or she brings into the family. It is also important to go one step further and understand the in-law's own family culture. Again, if it's radically different than yours, it will make sense if your in-law is finding it hard to assimilate into your culture. Always remember that an important aspect of loving your adult child well is loving his or her spouse, too. Instead of just critically comparing the two family backgrounds, rejoice that you're now able to learn a new family culture that may be very different from yours. Make it easy for your in-law to feel fully welcomed. Next, recognize that your in-law is your adult child, too. Now that Carol is routinely avoiding her mother-in-law rather than engaging with her, Dave's mom tells her husband, You know, she's really not my daughter in the first place. She has her own mother. And I guess I really don't need another child anyway. The emotional pain that she has experienced from Carol's rejection has led her to the faulty conclusion that a daughter-in-law is really not a daughter. While we can certainly sympathize with Dave's mom, the truth is that Carol is her daughter. 
When Dave and Carol cleaved to one another and became one flesh, Carol did gain another mother and father. Now, this is not to say that there isn't a significant difference between children you raise yourself and children you inherit from marriage. But when your adult child chooses a spouse, you have also been chosen as a parent as well. To see your son-in-law or daughter-in-law as something less than actual sons or daughters will keep you from a right relationship in the end. This reality should not confuse the fact that you have a unique relationship with your own children. It simply demonstrates how your adult child's marriage has created the opportunity for you to expand your number of children. So if you find yourself like Dave's mom in a difficult place with a daughter-in-law or son-in-law, begin by believing the truth that he or she is your child too. Resist keeping your distance, sending the message that you aren't really required by God to have a relationship with your adult child's spouse. As much as it may be easier and more natural to only communicate with your child, Make the effort to speak directly to your in-law, face-to-face, and through other media. Treating him or her as your child, in a positive way, of course, will have the potential effect of strengthening their marriage and allow better assimilation into your family. Then you may need to talk it through with your spouse. As you are getting to know your new addition, it's vital to compare notes with your spouse. Even though it may seem like the problem is between Dave's mom and her daughter-in-law, what does Dave's dad think about it? Is he saying something like, you've been spending too much time with Carol. Maybe you should back off and give her some space. Or he could be saying, you know that Carol has always been selfish and just a taker rather than a giver. She's just not worth it. Hopefully, Dave's dad will give biblical counsel, encouraging his wife to continue to pursue Carol in a loving and gracious way. The point is that you and your spouse should take time to have helpful conversations about your in-laws, especially when problems between you are recognized. This is not a time to simply gossip, critique, and complain, but to seek one another's wisdom in the Lord. Also, be willing to hear the heart of your spouse if he or she is having the more difficult time in the relationship. An important part of these regular conversations also includes an honest look at your own contribution to the problem. As was discussed before, getting the log out of your own eye is always the first step of conflict resolution. Matthew 7, 5. So while you're talking with your spouse about how difficult the new in-law is, Ask about what you could do different to improve the situation. Recognize that you could be forcing your daughter-in-law or son-in-law to fit into your family culture, which can be overwhelming. Acknowledge that your personality or style of relating could be imperfect as well. Then you'll be ready to work on some personal changes, with the help of the Spirit, of course. That may also help the relationship. Hopefully, in partnership with your spouse, you can both strategize how best to relate to your new in-law. Well, let's continue brainstorming how to build a healthy in-law relationship. Here's the next principle. Stick together. 
Grounded and healthy discussions about your relationship with a son-in-law or daughter-in-law should be a commitment to be unified as parents. You don't want your adult child's marriage to become a wedge issue that divides you in any way. Next time Carol actually comes to Sunday lunch, Dave's mom may be tempted to be aloof or quickly retire to her bedroom to make a manipulative point. Carol may get the point, but this is not a healthy way to move towards reconciliation. The principle here is that you and your spouse must stick together in relating to your in-laws. No, this doesn't mean that Carol and Dave's mom can't go shopping alone ever again or that everyone must visit in the living room together. A commitment to stick together whenever possible when around the son-in-law or daughter-in-law sends the message that you're a team. In other words, a problem with an in-law must not divide your marriage or create scenarios where one parent is closer to the in-law at the expense of the other. Let me push this just a little bit further. As a parent, it doesn't really matter if, for whatever reason, you don't enjoy being with your son-in-law or daughter-in-law. What if your son-in-law frustrates you by trying to talk to you during the ball game or the all-important nightly news? Or what if your daughter-in-law doesn't talk at all, making it like pulling teeth to have a decent conversation? Sticking together means that you both must stick with your adult child and his or her spouse. This means much more than just surviving Sunday lunch, a family weekend together, or Christmas and Easter. If you get into a habit of avoiding the in-law whenever he or she comes over, it'll become that much easier to settle into a non-relationship. Sticking together as a family means it's not about you, but about the relationships God has given you. Next, be willing to be a guest, not just a host. Depending on your personality and family culture, you may be the ones who are always inviting your adult children over, planning gatherings and initiating contact. This relational dynamic is often the case simply because you, as a parent, are used to being parents and your child is used to being a child. Dave's mom has certainly been the pursuer in her relationship with Carol. While that is a good thing, could it be communicating to her daughter-in-law that the relationship must always be on her terms? In other words, if Dave's mom is the one who sets the agenda, picks the restaurant, and plans the family gatherings at her house, does Carol end up remaining the child who must respond obediently? Dave's mom may be thrilled for Carol to pursue her, but maybe she isn't giving Carol the room or opportunity. If this is the case, how do you level the playing field a bit, allowing your adult child and his or her spouse to do some of the organizing, planning, and pursuing? You certainly can't tell them to lead more or invite yourself to their home, or yet again, you're back in charge. The primary thing you can do is to be willing to change turfs. Respond well when you are invited to an event at their home or an activity with your grandchildren. You may even consider changing long-standing family traditions like always having Christmas dinner at your home. Of course, I'm assuming your adult child's family lives fairly close. Hopefully you get the idea. Being purposeful to change turfs on a regular basis allows your son-in-law or daughter-in-law to be a host or hostess, while you get to have some experience being the guest. 
It may be more comfortable to always be in your home or set the rules of engagement, but your adult children need to learn to lead in this way as well. Finally, recognize that it's hard for them too. Do you remember what it was like when you were first married and inherited in-laws? It may have been relatively easy for you, or it could have been quite traumatic. Among all the events of my initiation into my wife's family was a pool party where my four brother-in-laws tried to drown me. Of course, that's not exactly the way they remember it. I just overreacted to good, clean, wet fun. Looking back, I don't think I ever thought about how hard it was for my wife's Deep South family to accept their first Northern Yankee into the family. But I'm sure it was. So as you think back on your own experience, recognize that it may not be that easy for your son-in-law or daughter-in-law to relate to you or the rest of your family. Your family hobbies, media habits, beliefs, and interests may almost be in another world to your new in-law. Consider that you and your ways may be hard for the in-law to adjust and adapt to. A little grace for the process will go a long way. Just as marriage is designed by God, it is also His plan to expand your circle of familial relationships to the marriage of your adult child. Unfortunately, it is our sinful nature that can resist being relational, becoming more comfortable with burning bridges rather than building them. As a Christian, it's essential to recognize that when your adult child marries, you don't really lose a child, you actually gain another one. Instead of finding ways to put up boundaries and to keep your distance, work by the strength of the Spirit to pursue healthy relationships. Maybe you are already striving to have a good relationship with your son-in-law or daughter-in-law, but it's just not turning out as you would like it yet. That may primarily be the fault of your in-law who wants little to do with you, or it may be more your responsibility. Whatever the case, on the other side of this break, let's troubleshoot and solve some of the situations where instead of having a good in-law relationship, you are relating more as outlaws. In my youth, I used to love watching movies about Old West outlaws. Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid was one of my favorites, as well as any television series that featured Billy the Kid. In much of American folklore, we have a way of romanticizing the bad guys, feeling sorry for them, and even rooting for them to give the good guys the slip once in a while. By the very linguistic elements of the term, an outlaw finds himself on the outside of the law, of law-abiding society, and typically of the community as well. On the other hand, the term in-law connotes someone who is on the inside, is connected by marriage, and is in a familial relationship. So when in-law relationships are non-existent, strained, or even combative— people end up acting like outlaws, enemies rather than friends, outsiders instead of insiders. As we address some of the problems that occur within the in-law relationship, consider if any of these situations apply to you or to someone you know. First, the issue of parental expectations. Edgar and Fran have been married for nearly eight years and have three children. 
Even though they faithfully attend each and every one of Fran's family gatherings, Fran's parents usually end up getting angry with them. Fran's mom repeatedly tells her things like, Edgar doesn't seem happy when he's with us. I don't understand why he doesn't interact more with your brothers. You guys don't ever stay long enough when you come to visit us. Fran does her best to defend herself as well as her husband, apologizing to her parents every time. Unfortunately, the tension that occurs between the couple and Fran's parents has them contemplating fewer and fewer visits. So what's the problem here? Could Edgar and Fran try harder in their relationship with the in-laws? Probably. But the more important issue here is unrealistic parental expectations. If Fran's parents continue to primarily express disappointment after each interaction, they may end up turning their children into outlaws. It's essential that you be careful not to expect too much from the assimilation of your son-in-law or daughter-in-law into your family. Are you expecting your new in-law to not just spend time with you and your family, but to love every minute of it? Do you think your son-in-law or daughter-in-law should become best friends with all your children? Is anything short of getting along and enjoying each other's company unacceptable? Depending on the situation, you may have to lower your expectations and be content with less. Remember, your first priority is to welcome your in-law into the family and to pursue him or her in love. You also should desire for your adult child and his or her spouse to have a strong marriage without the division that can be created with pressure from parents. If you have true concerns and criticism, strive to offer them in love, balanced with affirmation. Lowering expectations of family gatherings should relieve some of the tension as well as keep you from being disappointed in the aftermath. Next, there's the problem of in-law imbalance. Hank, Georgia, and their children have always lived just a few miles from Georgia's parents. Her two sisters and their families also live in town. Hank's parents, on the other hand, live about three hours away. This means that Hank and Georgia spend about 90% of their in-law time with Georgia's family members. Through the years, Hank's parents have come to accept the fact that they will see Hank, Georgia, and their grandchildren just a handful of times each year. But lately, the imbalance has started to wear on Hank's parents, especially since the grandchildren have gotten older. They have begun making comments to Hank, even applying some not-so-subtle pressure on him to encourage a move in their direction. Hank's dad even offers to welcome him and maybe even Georgia into the family business. Are Hank's parents just being selfish? Or has the in-law imbalance been an unresolved problem that needs to be more effectively addressed? Unfortunately, if the family decides to move, Hank may become the newest outlaw in the eyes of Georgia's parents, too. Well, what can be done if you see yourself as a victim of an in-law imbalance? In many cases, absolutely nothing. After all, where your adult child and his or her spouse choose to live is up to them, not to mention the sovereign God. As difficult as it may be to see pictures on social media of your children and grandchildren seemingly spending time every week with the other in-laws, you must learn to be content. 
If your normal grief turns to anger and bitterness, you will end up trying to manipulate or overtly pressuring your son or daughter to make things more fair and balanced. The goal should not be some artificial 50-50 agreement, like your children and grandchildren are part of some custody agreement. If you end up realizing that some of the imbalance is occurring because of selfishness or unwillingness to sacrifice on your part, then you may need to travel to visit your children and grandchildren more often. But above all, don't let bitterness grow between you and your in-law, blaming him or her for keeping your child from you. You'll create an unhealthy outlaw relationship that is not God-honoring. Next, the problem of siding with your child. Ken has never gotten along very well with Jackie's parents, especially her dad. He regularly avoids Jackie's dad as much as possible because he frequently puts him down and criticizes his behavior and life choices. When Ken complains about what her dad is doing and saying, Jackie says things like, You know my dad just likes to speak his mind, and most of the time he's right. What's wrong with a little criticism? Put on your big boy pants and take it like a man. If you would make some changes, then maybe my parents wouldn't have anything bad to say about you. Well, what Ken doesn't know is that in her weekly phone call to her parents, Jackie usually throws in a complaint or two about Ken herself. Understandably, Jackie's parents have become increasingly disturbed with some of the stories they have heard about their son-in-law's words, attitudes, and behaviors. Jackie's father has felt empowered by the inside information to fully side with her daughter and attempt to affect change in their marriage. Ken has become an outlaw in the eyes of Jackie's parents. Now, this type of problem with your son-in-law or daughter-in-law is potentially a complicated one. In Ken and Jackie's case, the in-law dynamic is symptomatic of a more serious marital problem that will need biblical counseling. It also appears that Jackie has not really left her parents emotionally. Listen again to episode one of this season, which must be resolved as well. So what do you do if your son or daughter frequently complains about his or her marriage and spouse? Even though this question will be covered more extensively in a later podcast, the first part of the solution is to shut down these conversations. The more you hear about your in-law's bad behavior, the more you will grow angry and bitter towards him or her. It's natural to side with your own child, yet it's clearly biased when you have no real way to know how accurate the information is. Yes, we need to discuss steps to take when you learn of abusive and destructive behavior that must be stopped. In all other cases, you should keep out of the marriage both in listening to the stories and feeling compelled to say something about it to the in-law. If you remember that your son-in-law or daughter-in-law is your child too, this truth will also help you from merely taking your natural child's side. Then there's the temptation to play favorites. Lara is the youngest of five girls and the last one to get married. Her parents have had concerns about Mark during their dating days, which they communicated to Lara. Lara assumed they were just being overprotective and that they would fully accept Mark after they were married. Unfortunately, this has not been the case. Family gatherings have gotten pretty stressful at times, 
with Mark and Lara both feeling like outlaws. In their minds, Lara's parents like the other four sons-in-laws significantly more than they like Mark, causing Lara to become jealous and competitive with her sisters. The young couple is even contemplating moving away so they can more fully detach from Lara's family and all the unhealthy favoritism. Even if Lara's parents and her sisters have some genuine concerns about Mark, they're failing to truly welcome Mark into the family. Playing favorites among your sons-in-laws and daughter-in-laws will just produce outlaws. If you, like Lara's parents, have multiple children who are married, it may be a challenge to like each one of their spouses to the same degree. After all, they'll all be different, and some will probably be more likable than others. If your new son-in-law or daughter-in-law brings more challenging problems into the family, that will make it even more tempting to play favorites. But you do remember that all your in-laws are your children, right? Just because you don't connect or relate well to one of your in-laws compared to the others doesn't mean they should be loved and cared for less. As Christian parents, you are called to love with the love of Christ, which precludes a manipulative form of favoritism. Read back through the story of Jacob's favoritism for Joseph and see the results. Genesis 37. You may also need to speak to your other children about their responsibility to put away childish sibling rivalry and work to keep from an in-law feeling more like an outlaw. And then here's the final issue. Blaming bad behavior on in-laws. This last type of defective outlaw problem is being experienced by Nora. Whenever she's with her mom, Nora is told that she is totally different now that she is married to Opie. Once a vivacious and outgoing child, she is now quiet, reserved, and very serious. Nora's parents think that Opie is to blame because he is a pretty controlling and selfish guy. When their grandson is at the house for a visit, Nora's mom can't help but make comments like, he thinks the world revolves around him, just like Opie. And he certainly has Opie's temper. Obviously, Nora's parents do not have a very high view of their son-in-law, thus creating an outlaw atmosphere. But isn't it normal to see character qualities or behaviors in your child or grandchild and attribute them to the people with the most influence in their lives? Don't we pass on personality and behavioral traits through parenting and the marriage dynamic? Well, there is some truth to these views, But Norris' parents are now part of the problem rather than part of the solution. Blaming bad behavior on the in-law will just serve to divide their adult child's marriage and their own family. This type of problem may illuminate some deeper cracks in your child's marriage that may require biblical counseling. But as a parent, the problem may simply be how you're communicating your concerns to your adult child. It serves no good purpose to point out a problem or a sinful pattern by using an unfair comparison to your son-in-law or daughter-in-law. Nora's personality may have changed, but is Opie truly to blame? And is it necessarily a bad change? Nora's son may be a selfish and angry child, but could that be a sin problem of his very own making? While you may be perceptive in connecting the dots, you also could be wrong. 
or at least incomplete in your assessment. Regardless of your accuracy or inaccuracy, the bigger point is that these comparisons do not help, but only hurt. Be conscientious about your words and accusations, working to build up rather than tear down. Ephesians 4.29 Well, if your relationship with your in-law is fabulous, God be praised. If you are currently only struggling with one particular son-in-law or daughter-in-law, there's still much for which to be thankful. We have not been given any scriptural promises that these relationships with new members of your growing family will be enjoyable and edifying. You and your spouse may have more work to do to fully welcome your new addition into the family. You may also need to address one or more of the outlaw problems I described. As the Apostle Paul teaches us, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Romans 12, 18. When things get difficult with your in-laws, do what depends on you and trust the Spirit to change hearts and minds. Thank you for listening to Biblical Counseling Today with Dr. John Kwasney. This weekly podcast is supported by Biblical Counseling and Training Ministries, which you can learn more about at bctministries.com. If you have found yourself encouraged or challenged today, please share this podcast with your church, family, and friends. Rate us on iTunes and your social media outlets. It really helps. Until next time, may you enjoy the riches of God's compassionate grace and mercy in your life.